All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's after 4 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. How are you? Maybe just getting off work or you're counting down the minutes? Maybe you're an NBA fan. Finally, the wait is over. NBA championship tonight. Denver taking on the Miami Heat. And, of course, on Saturday, it'll be another number eight seed out of Florida, the Panthers, in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. Think about it. Three of the four teams left in the NBA and NHL championships have never won a championship. So we're going to have at least one in the NHL, Vegas or Florida. One of them is going to hoist the cup for the first time. And the Nuggets, they're the favorite. Uh, they could also be doing it. So I'd like to think, I'd like to look back. When was the last time? The NHL and the NBA both had first-time winners the same year. It's got to be a while, man. So um, I have to go back and look at that. Be uh, something interesting to uh, to check out. So we'll see. Lots more uh, text coming in at uh, ten twelve sixty in regards to uh, Stampede Wrestling, uh, Mister Foley. <laughs> oh. So awesome! Uh, I, I man, I could say we. Could, well, I know there's a few of them wrestling pods, but man, you should have like a stampede wrestling only pod and get all of them on. God, that'd be fun. Maybe there is one I haven't heard about it, but that'd be uh, that'd be too good. Uh, just tell the old school stories. It'd be unreal. Uh, loads of fun. So uh, see where it goes. Now let's get to uh, help me understand. Brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing and. If you need apparel for your uh, upcoming golf tournament, go to ElitePromoMarketing.com because uh, they have everything you need in all the top quality brand names. Golf shirts, apparel, you need golf balls, 
you name it, they'll have it. Pans anything. ElitePromoMarketing.com. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. I'm afraid I don't understand. Understand? Do you? I don't understand. What? Uh, help me understand. It's too technical for a layman to understand. So I watched uh, Ted Lasso. I'm not going to tell you how it ends, in case uh, you haven't seen it yet. But uh, I watched the ending of Ted Lasso. And I know that their plan was to have a three-year series for this. Totally fine. Help me understand, though, after such a successful run, a show that was very different than a lot of other shows, not completely. There have been other shows that had positive, you know, different mindsets like that. And the thing that was unique was lots of expanded character development, not just your five or six maybe normal characters. You had you kind of understood a lot of the different people in the uh, in the league even, across the league, but definitely uh, mainly for Richmond, uh, whether it was players, staff, coach, owner, whoever. You got, you got a pretty good sense of, play, of character development. Help me understand, Cons, that there won't be some sort of spinoff. You, you might not have Ted Lasso uh, in it, fine. But, gay okay, coaches leave programs, you know, they get fired all the time. That happens. Things still go on. You could write uh, a different storyline. And maybe, you know what, could, could Ted Lasso be, I don't know, uh, in in North America, right? Think about it. You have the Premier League. There is MLS now. Could you do something like that? So help me understand why you wouldn't have that. And maybe there is something planned. But it was three years, and it just seems like a lot of shows, like for long, used to have shows that were 10 years, longer even. They lasted a long time. Now it seems like, man, you get to four or five years, and the ep- and a lot of them only have ten episodes. You used to have, for comedies, you used to have like 20 episodes a year, maybe 24. And they would run for eight, nine, ten years. Help me understand why we can't have longer-running series now. I don't know. I mean, it's almost like maybe... And, and I, I kind of like I look at uh, True Detectives, right, where it's these shows that are written for one year and then they, they you know, with the storyline and then they move on. And True Detective had a couple different seasons, but it's almost like they, they don't want to go too long and become one of the shows where people say, man, they should have wrapped that up last season. You know, they, they don't want to have that happen, but there is lots of opportunity. And if you're a studio that wants to make money, you've already got that built in fan base. Look no further than Game of Thrones, right? You have House of the Dragon, and then we've seen reports that there might be the Jon Snow spinoff, maybe North of the Wall, what's going to happen with that one. So I'm with you. I mean, hey, maybe Jason Sudeikis doesn't want to do the show anymore. Maybe he's done with it, but hypothetically, could you do the next season with Richmond? I think you could. Well, you know, what happens with Nate the Great? Maybe he could be part of it. I I think there are certainly storylines, and if they make it, we will watch. Like, we are the built-in audience already. So many people will stick around, so... I'd love to see them continue in some format, but I, I, I feel like it's got to be today because maybe he wants to move on and do something else because, yeah, you could keep it going. Yeah, but you even look like succession. Now, some would say, hey, there wasn't much else to write about. Well, I don't know. The dad died. That was killing off a pretty big character. You, you could have had, okay, now here's a transition. Who's taking over? Like, to me, it would have seemed like it was rather easy to do. It just it seems like it's more common for lots of shows to to be short now and like to get to even five or six years seems like a stretch i don't um 
I know. Hey, guys, Lasso seems similar to what Ricky Gervais does. About a year and a half, about a half dozen successful series, all between one to three years from Rob. Yeah, maybe. Right? And I don't know, is that more of a European thing? Maybe it's just making its way over here. Maybe we're exposed to it more. And I don't know, things just change. I just wonder for people, like, you finally kind of get into something, and it's like, boom, it's done. Right? Like, hey, you got four years of six episodes. What? It's like one year of what it used to be. Remember, like, 24 was 24 episodes of one hour. That was one season. It was awesome. So, I like this. Gregor, TV sucks. Read Mark Twain. Hey, man, I read lots of books, but I like, I can, I can I do both? I read a ton of books. I love it. I love reading books. Actually, I just got Curtis Stock's book. We're going to get him on. Um, the, uh, the Turcots, The Remarkable Story of Horse Racing Dynasty. Like, I'm telling you, like, the first chapter got me hooked. And that any book that can get me hooked early, I love it. And so uh, I'm reading that one right now. It's about the uh, the Turcotte family. And, um, you know, there's 14 siblings, which is not surprising uh, when you look back on it. But, you know, five of them uh, all became uh, jockeys and, and heavily involved in horse racing. It was, uh, it was pretty unique. So just chapter one, I read it, and I'm like, ooh. I'm hooked. So uh, we're going to have to, well, hopefully he'll come on, but I have to ask Curtis maybe to come on and talk about that. It was very, uh, very interesting. So, hey, guys, uh, I wonder if it has to do now where people don't wait to watch shows weekly and now just binge. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I'm, Gregor, I'm looking at the longest running TV shows right now, and they're all shows that have been on since, like, the 90s. Uh, Simpsons, Law & Order. Family Guy was in 99. It, it just doesn't seem like there's shows that, let's say, 2017, that are like into their sixth season right now. Okay, well, that's good. NCIS came out in 2003. American Dad, 2005. Yeah. Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds, 2005. Oh, Criminal Minds, man. It's been out forever. Yeah, like it's these certain shows that have been going on forever, but the, the newer shows, it, it like you say, two, three, four seasons seems to be it. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, hey, Gregor, thanks not for spoiling Ted Lasso. I'm watching it tonight. Hey, you know what? I'll say this. Like, Succession, I thought, did a great job of wrapping up their uh, – I thought their their season finale was very good. And I thought Ted Lasso, like, two completely different shows. Like, in Succession, you've got a bunch of people that are just like, oh, my goodness, like, there's not a lot I like about them. And then Ted Lasso, there's lots of characters. Even when they show some flaws, you know, Nate and different things like that. You still are like, hey, you know what? They make mistakes, do whatever it is. You know, Ted, when he, when he had, uh, you know, panic attacks and different things, like that's what normal people have at different times. So uh, I, I thought they, they like it's Ted Lasso. Of course, you got to wrap it up differently than Succession. But uh, I quite liked it. I'm going to miss that. I won't really miss Succession. It wasn't a show like I watched it. I'm more so watched because my wife really liked it. And sometimes anybody knows in a couple, you there's certain shows that you watch together. And even if you don't love it, you're like, ah, she really likes it. Like, I can get through it. If I hate a show, like she watches Bachelor, Bachelorette, I never watch that. And that's fine. There's shows that, that I like that she hasn't watched. But Ted Lasso was a show that both of us really liked. And I'm like, God, sucks that it's over. And I like the ending. It's fine. But I just like that show as one where I'm like, oh, I'm watching Ted Lasso. I'm rarely going to end the episode being like, oh, geez, there's lots of negativity. It was just, it was a nice change of pace, the positivity that came with Ted Lasso. Uh, when we return, we'll get to uh, Seth Rohrbaugh. A new era 
in Pittsburgh. Mr. Dubas wanted more rain in Toronto. He didn't get any. Now he's in Pittsburgh, and he is the Grand Poobah. Will it work? We'll find out next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 425, Jason Gregor. Connor Halley with you. The Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. You can get involved. We've got lots of text coming in. The Stampede Wrestling always gets the people fired up. Talking about that. To Austin Matthews, a hot topic as well today. I really don't see any reason why. Like, What's the justification to think that he would get a significant amount higher than Nathan McKinnon? Just... Tell me any statistical one where you say, oh, this is clearly why I should get paid more. Because he blocks more shots? Really? Like, who has more points over the last three years? Who has more playoff points? Who has more success in the playoffs? Like, I'm sorry. It's not. If you want ah, but the cap's going up. Yeah, but McKinnon's deal starts this year. Is it going up that much in one year? Might go up two mil. So do the percentage. I don't think it should be. If you want to say, okay, it gets 12.7. Nah, sure. All right. I don't think it should be that much higher. Let's go around the NHL. Brought to you by McDonald's. And uh, McDonald's right now is a great place to uh, to stop in if you are uh, looking for great deals on uh, one of the old-time classics. Quarter Pounder with Cheese, which, by the way, has 100%. Alberta beef, which is fantastic. So check it out at McDonald's. As uh, Seth Robaugh joins us, busy day in Pittsburgh. It had been rumored for a while, but uh, not the GM. Kyle Dubas is going to be president of hockey operations and the interim GM while he hires a general manager. Uh, Seth, what do you make of this? Uh, obviously, Dubas wanted a little bit more control or power in, in Toronto, didn't get it, so he's going to Pittsburgh, and he's the grand poobah. Yeah, um, that was one thing he maybe pointed out today, that he'll probably be the general manager maybe for the time being, maybe into July once they get past free agency. Then he'll maybe you know dig in a little bit more and you know look for candidates to be the GM. Frankly, I think it's almost going to be like a situation like you see in Colorado where uh, Joe Sackick, the president of the hockey operations, kind of steers the ship, and Chris McFarland's the GM and does a lot more of the granular work, you know, contracts and you know call-ups and basically make sure the engine's running. So. Um, I, I kind of think that's almost going to be the, uh, how things work out here in Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, certainly Kyle Dubas, is, uh, uh, this is his team in more ways than one uh, moving forward. So you look at this team, and I was crunching some numbers doing an article the other day about uh, the top seven salaries on each team. And Pittsburgh's actually comes in at 25th. They're not top heavy. Not I don't even buy into top heavy, really. But they don't spend a lot right now comparatively to the other team's top seven AAVs in the NHL. So they've got room to, to spend elsewhere. Now they got some contracts. Maybe people don't love the Granlin uh, trade. It didn't work out at the end of the season. Maybe it'll bounce back next year. We'll see. But... When you look at Dubas, what do you look at his top two main priorities that he has to do first? Well, the first priority above anything else is the goaltender. Um, you have to figure out what Tristan Jari's future, if any, is with the franchise. And this is the guy that uh, they want many years ago uh, under Ray Shero. Uh, it's hard to believe that's like four general managers ago now, but um, they thought he could be the goaltender of the future. And, you know, it kind of played out to that to some degree. It just, he has not had playoff success. Uh, his one and only playoff uh, re- really appearance of note uh, was the just disastrous uh, 
you know, blow up against the New York Islanders in uh, 2021 where he just looked awful. Uh, um, and last year against the Rangers, he just wasn't healthy enough. And, and frankly, this past season, he dealt with a whole variety of injuries um, uh, that really hindered his play uh, down the stretch and, and was a major contributing factor as to why the franchise didn't make the playoffs for the first time in, what, 16, 17 years. So they have to figure out what's up with him. Uh, there's not many options internally in terms of anyone they can call up from the American League or a prospect or anything like that, so they might have to go outside the organization. Uh, the free agent market for goaltenders is kind of weak, so you might have to explore a trade there. But um, and Kyle Dubas acknowledged all those points there. Uh, he seems to realize that there is talent in Tristan Jari. He was a second-round pick you know, many years ago, so there is a you know, high pedigree there. But um, they have to make, I would say their first and you know, most daunting uh, uh, decision is to, make, to make is with the goaltender. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I would say maybe their most prominent player beyond Jari is, is Jason Zucker. This is a guy who rebounded pretty nicely after a, a few injury-filled seasons. He's a 20-goal scorer. Uh, meshed very well with Evgeny Malkin on their second line and really uh, kind of established uh, a good attitude on the team that, you know, frankly, there wasn't uh, many sources of that, and, you know, just given how dire their situation was going down the stretch. So, um, I mean, first and foremost, though, it's just the goaltending. You have to figure that out. Even on a team with you know, icons like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, it's still the most important position on the team, and uh, they won't know their direction until they know who's uh, uh, their top goaltender going in next season. Like when you look at the free agent market and you look at the uncertainty of goaltenders, like Tristan Jari, like this seems to me from an outsider set like an obvious choice. No, to be him. I'm sorry, you faded out there. Can you repeat oh. that story? No, I was saying that when you look at the volatility of goaltending for a lot of them from year to year, then the available goaltenders on the market, Tristan Jari would seem like the obvious choice to bring back. He would. Um, it's just a matter of what he wants out there. I mean, right now he's at three point five million, I believe his cap hit. I um, mean, if he wants something close to six or seven million, and, and hey, for a starting goaltender, that's a fair amount. Um, you look at a guy like Elvis Merzlik in, in Columbus; he's making like five point four or something like that. So, um, if Tristan Jari asks something that's beyond their means, uh, they may very well be justified in looking somewhere elsewhere. I mean, maybe you go after like a, a Yunus Donskoy. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, the, the former Eunice Corpusala. I'm sorry, I got my my Eunice is uh, mixed up there. Uh, you, maybe you look at him. You know, maybe you look at Semyon Varlamov on maybe a short term two year deal. Uh, there are some options. It just there's not very many good ones, and it's and I'm not sure there's many good ones that are better than Tristan Jari just based on his on his talent level. It just um, I, I I think there is enough people in the organization that still like Tristan Jari and have some faith in him, but. Um, if you're looking at it objectively from an outsider's perspective, which Kyle Dubas pretty much is at, at this juncture in his, you know, very short tenure here still with the Penguins, uh, you can probably go out and, you know, maybe find a, a cheaper option that can get you at the very least, you know, a few steps further towards being a playoff team. I um, mean, yeah, it's a weird dichotomy here with the, with the Stanley Cup final. I mean, you have Sergei Bobrovsky, $10 million a year for Florida Panthers, and then you have Aiden Hill, uh, you know, basically the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights, like fourth or fifth option here. So, I don't know that there's necessarily a wrong way, but uh, I, I think it would be wrong to maybe rule out any one option, uh, just given uh, how volatile the position is, as you said. Seth Robar joins us. I'm the sports editor, TSN 1260. Uh, Brian Dumoulin, what do you think happens to him? I think his days with the Penguins are over, to be frank. Uh, uh, and you know, I, I don't take any joy in saying that. I think he's maybe one of the best defensive defensemen in franchise history, you know, going all the way back to Dave Burrows in the 70s, if you want. 
Um, just he's at the stage of his career. He's on the other side of 30. I think he's 31 now. Uh, had a fairly big cap hit. Uh, just finished. He's about to finish up his contract here. He's always been a nice complimentary piece to Chris Letang. But for the last year or two, ever since he suffered a pretty nasty uh, skate cut on his, I think it was like Achilles tendon a few years ago in the game in St. Louis, he just hasn't necessarily been the same defenseman or nearly as effective. And, um, you know, and frankly, they have a couple of good young options on the left side of their defense right now. Marcus Pedersen's a player who really took a step forward. It filled in for Dumoulin on the first pairing at times last season. Uh, they have P.O. Joseph, a former first-round pick of the Coyotes, who they got in the Phil Kessel trade a few years ago. And they have Ty Smith, uh, you know, the former first-round pick of the Devils that they got in the uh, John Marino trade last summer. So um, they have some younger and, more importantly, cheaper options on the left side of defense there. And you know, I just think a lot of those factors, including Brian Dumoulin's you know, effectiveness at this stage of his career, is going to lead to him uh, probably playing for another team next season. Well, I look at Dumoulin, and you met, it was interesting you mentioned his injury because I – he has looked a tad slower because, man, when they won Stanley Cups, he was so good defensively. He could just shut guys down. It was it was a really good positional defender. Maybe he's only a third pair D guy right now, but on a like, what kind of money do you think he would get? And do you see him more as a third pairing guy, or do you think there's a chance that if he can find some foot speed, he could get back to being a second pair? Well, he came off a contract where he was four point one million. So, I mean, presumably something less than that. I mean, if you bring in a guy. It's- I don't know if you would say $2.8 million. That seems affordable to me if you want him to be a third-pairing guy for you, a uh, PK guy for you. Um, there's a lot of intangibles with him. I mean, this is a guy that uh, he's very well respected in the Penguin room. Uh, anytime a younger player maybe has a mistake, he's a guy that's you know pretty commonly uh, acknowledged that he'll pull a guy aside and say, hey, we need you, forget it. You know, A really good vocal leader in the room. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. And that, and that you know, gets backed up by him having two Stanley Cup rings. And, and you mentioned him being very good. I mean, in particular, his his run in 2017 when Crystal yeah. Tang was out of the lineup with a herniated disc in his neck. Um, Brian Dumoulin was their top defenseman, played on top pairing with, I think, Ron Hainsey during that run and and really uh, kind of helped establish things for them on defense and was really a rock for them on defense when things were still in flux with a lot of injuries, most notably Crystal Tang. But, um, you know, if he can regain some foot speed, if he can, you know, uh, you know, stay healthy, which, you know, he played all 82 games last season, uh, which was uh, a career achievement for him, actually, just given the way he plays, you know, absorbing a lot of abuse, you know, hits, shots, things like that. Um, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's still a viable player if you give him a reduced role compared to what maybe what he's enjoyed here in Pittsburgh uh, throughout most of his time here. Chris Letang, you know, he was able to overcome the, you know, the stroke, last season how much of a concern is that for the penguins how you can't really predict strokes of course he's had two they were six years apart though but where, where's his health at um his health he dealt with obviously a very difficult season last year obviously the strokes you know the first thing that stands out he had a couple other knickknack injuries particularly around new year's cost him a few games and uh, he also, at the time, unfortunately, you know, his father passed away uh, right on New Year's Eve, I believe it was. So he took some time away from the team, and it was really a trying season for him on a lot of levels. Uh, uh, even then, he still managed to, you know, piece together. Right, I want to say like 40 points in like 60 games or something like that. Uh, and that's without like a uh, really, you know, good power play whatsoever for the Penguins this past season. But, um, but as far as the stroke, you know, concerns, they're always going to be there. It's always going to be legitimate. It's because of a hole he has in his heart that he was born with. And um, that's okay. something he's always going to have to deal with. Um, uh, but he's roundly credited as being, you know, really maybe the most fittest, or the fittest uh, athlete on the team. And that's saying something when you have a guy like Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin in your midst. 
Um, this is a guy that invests a lot of money uh, in terms of keeping his body right. Uh, when he signed the six-year contract last summer, uh, he said he he thinks he could probably play till he's 42, 43, and play out the life of the contract. So, um, you know, I, I have to imagine, you know, his his numbers would have been a lot better if he didn't deal with, you know, all the strife he did last season. Um, but, you know, things are right for him, and that's always a big if. It's always a, a very just concern. He's still capable of being a, a very good number one defenseman, a guy who plays 24, 25 minutes for you. Um, a guy can probably put up, you know, 10 goals, 50, 50 points over the course of the season, and um, just be your, your everything defenseman, number one defenseman in just about every situation. What about their power play? What has to change? Why was it so bad last year? Because in today's NHL, man, like if you don't have a power play, you really don't have much of a chance. It, it's really befuddling uh, because they do have the talent. Um, you have Sidney Crosby, you have Kenny Malkin, you have Jake Gensel is a 40-goal guy. Uh, Chris Letang, as I mentioned, is a big prominent part of that. Uh, Ricard Raquel kind of you know took a place on that group last year. The pieces are there. Uh, man, I'm not even sure it's necessarily even the structure. I mean, they, they largely use the structure that's been you know, successful for them in years past. Um, I, I don't know if it's just a matter of you know maybe they they fought it overthought it a little bit too much. You know, paralysis through analysis, if you will. Um, they like to move things around. They're not really a big kind of like shoot and crash power play where you know they just you know get points you know shots from the perimeter and just crash in on it. They like to do a lot of puck movement, you know, player movement. You know, no one player except for maybe Crystal Tang at the points really set in a position. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, it's such a cliche thing to say. Oh, you got to simplify, but um, I think that's really a, a thing that they need to really embrace here. Um, and I almost wonder if there's maybe a, a disease, if you will, when you're you are a Hall of Fame player, when you are an All Star player, where you have to you, you can't score ugly goals, you have to score pretty goals. You're almost kind of wired that way. And I almost think the Penguins have to they have to convince a, a bunch of thirty somethings who have been you know to the highs of the, high, the highest of the highs here in the NHL that you have to play a little uglier uh, to be a be a more effective power play. I mean, the talent's there, the structure uh, that they've had success with is there, uh, the familiarity you would assume is there with all these players. Um, just the results have not been there, and um, I, I have to imagine it's probably a, a you know leading concern for the coaching staff this off season. And they're going to try to figure something out here going into the next season. And lastly, about the coaching staff, we know that Mike Sullivan's been there a long time. He's he's very intertwined with uh, with the organization. Uh, he's considered one of the best coaches in the NHL. I don't I don't see any change there. But what do you see him? Like, how many guys does he want to bring back from his bottom six? Well, I think if it was up to him, he'd clear out the whole group. Uh, you know, there was times last year when we would ask him about the bottom six, and he would just snap at, back at us. Like, you guys ask me about this all the time. The answer is the same. We're just trying to do what we can do. Um, they had some salary cap limitations where even calling up someone from, from Wilkes-Barre-Scranton the American Hockey League was, was a major endeavor uh, because they had so little salary cap space. And um, they had guys like Jeff Carter, you know, early in the season, Brock McGinn, and, you know, some others who just – weren't all that effective and you know, you know they, they brought in josh archibald and they thought he could be kind of like a energy guy and he was maybe in a little bit little space but not nearly enough um and even when they did have enough salary cap space to bring up someone like a, say a philip holland or or you know jonathan gruden um those players just i don't know that they necessarily had the trust of myself and the command more minutes or, or more meaningful roles so i kyle dubas really kind of you know put a bit of a spotlight on the bottom six said hey we have to kind of figure out what's going on here um, Jeff Carter's still under contract. Uh, Mikhail Granlin's a guy that they have to figure out what's going on with uh, with his contract. Um, it's something that has, it's going to have to undergo some some significant surgery here. I think in the next few weeks here, going into free agency, 
Um, and they have to figure out what they want to do there because it was really a major component as to why this team failed to make the playoffs for the first time in more than a decade and a half. Seth, great rundown, man. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the off season. It should be an interesting one in Pittsburgh. Anytime, guys. Be well. Betcha. That's uh, Seth Robar joining us from Pittsburgh. Of course, Kyle Dubas is their new president of hockey operation and interim GM as he looks to uh, hire a general manager. We'll come back. We've got uh, five questions. Uh, Ryan Rashog will get to the uh, oil report, a little trivia, and more on The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Hey, guys, I think Dubas will be a modern-day Shirelli. Ah, I would be very surprised if we saw the extent of blatant trade losses for three, what was it, uh, two consecutive, well, three years, really, starting at the 2015 draft. Then we went to the summer of 2016, the summer of 2017, the season of 2018. Like, it was you know, Griffin Reinhardt trade, big L. Jordan Everly trade, big L. Reinstrom trade, big L. Right. Um, the Taylor Hall trade, because it included Sonny Milan Lucic, big L. Like, yeah, I don't. Dubas would have to be really bad to match that stretch for Peter Shirelli. And uh, for anybody asking why Peter Shirelli gets interviewed for these jobs, I've been told by numerous sources they think that it's the uh, the commissioner is uh, encouraging him to get his name into these uh, interviews. So I uh, I'd be surprised if he gets another GM job. I'd be very surprised. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley and a Sports Center update brought to you by The Brick. Stop in right now at The Brick. Of course, they have uh, great deals on uh, indoor furniture, but even better right now on outdoor furniture. Patio, conversation, sectional sets, barbecues, outdoor TVs, and more. Check it out at The Brick and TheBrick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, Greger, a Brad True Living speaking to the media t- today said Austin Matthews the top priority. If you are the GM of the Maple Leafs, how would you handle Austin Matthews here? Well, I'm, I like what Brad True Living said. Uh, a lot of things he said today, like, hey, Austin Matthews, the player you want to resign. I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't. But I also think Austin Matthew has to understand he just came off a contract where he was good. But was he the second best player in the league for the term of that contract? He was the second highest paid. So, and if Austin Matthews is really truthful about being successful, A, he got max dollars on a shorter term. So Brad Treeland is going to say, hey, man, that's probably not happening again. Not probably. It ain't happening again, I wouldn't think. You want five years, then we'll give you five years with no raise. Sure. But, or a very minimal raise, right? I I would try to re-sign Austin Matthews. There's not many centermen like him in the NHL. There's no debate on that. He's a really good player. He's one of the elite players in the league. But I'm not paying him $15 million. And And I can make a strong case to say, Austin, tell me why you need to be the highest paid player. Why? What have you done that would say, I need to be the highest paid player? That's, what, that's how I would work with yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. The, you obviously want to extend them. Uh, there's got to be that conversation, though. 
Like you're not you're not more impactful than Connor McDavid or even Leon Draisaitl for that matter. Like you, we can't just blow up the new market and reestablish the highest paid player. You can't do that. It, it's not going to work there. So honestly, I think it's going to be an interesting negotiation there with those two sides. Uh, question number two: Who's winning the NBA championship and in how many games? I will take Denver in five. I'm going to upset our resident uh, Jimmy Butler fan, Declan. But I'll say Denver in six. I'll say the, the Heat find a way to win a couple. But yeah, the Nuggets are going to get it done. Question number three. We'll go back to hockey. Who do you think is going to have new more success with their new team? Uh, tree Living with the Leafs or Dubas with the Penguins? Now, are we talking? That's a good question. Um, I think Brad Tree Living's team is set up to have more success for many years. They're younger. Um, Pittsburgh's, you know, they still got like Pitts. Could Pittsburgh have more success in the next two years? Possibly. But definitely not more long term. So I, I would say I think Brad Tree Levine. Um, now, Bo, Brad Tree Levine is going to have to improve his defense score. Otherwise, they're going to be hard pressed to, to have much more playoff success. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the Leafs right now, but in, in probably in the long term, but uh, I want to see what Dubas can do with this group. Kind of a different situation than what he had with Toronto. Obviously, pressure to win, but he, he's got those two aging superstars and probably has to refill the shelves a little bit. Really intrigued to see, but I'll, I'll go with Tree Living with the Maple Leafs. Uh, question number four. We had Evan Husney on the show, obviously, talking a little wrestling and dark side of the ring. If he was taking requests, which wrestler or story would you want him to tackle next? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there's got to be something. Like Hulk Hogan was the biggest star in wrestling for the longest time. I would probably want an extensive one on, on Hulk Hogan and, you know, the transfer from Hulkamania to then being a heel. He did it pretty well. So I would probably want an in-depth one on Hulk. Yeah, I'd love to see a whole uh, documentary on the NWO. I mean, that was just wild. Everybody loved the NWO, and then it broke off into, I mean, there was the Wolf Pack, the Red NWO, and I think there was the Latino World Order as well. It was just wild times in wrestling. So in which way each superstar was going to go, what side would they join up on? I'd like to see how that happened, and maybe the writers. How did they, like, it, it just got so crazy. I'd love to see how they started to try to make it all work. Final question for you today. Tom Holland celebrates his birthday today. Of course, very well known for his role as Spider-Man. Uh, which actor or actress do you think did the best job portraying a superhero? Oh, that's a good question. I'll let you go first. I mean, you know, if I'm a big fan of the Dark Knight. So when I bring that one up, I know he's not exactly superhero, but Heath Ledger for me will always be the best villain when he was the Joker. But I'll stick with that movie. I thought Christian Bale was fantastic as the Dark Knight Batman. Uh, you know, people are always going to have their, their biases and their favorites and who it might be just with Batman alone. But uh, when it comes to all of them, granted, I haven't seen all the movies. Uh, I go Christian Bale as Batman. Really? All right. Um, whew, there's lots who I liked in the role, but honestly, man, I like Hugh Grant as uh, I mean Hugh Grant, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I was a huge fan. Of, I just like the Wolverine character, so that I'm probably a little bit biased on that one. But you know, I, I thought he was great. I would uh, I would also say I thought like the original for me anyway. Uh, in my era, Michael Keaton was awesome as Batman. He's back because in the new one, isn't he? As Batman? Yeah, I think so. The new Flash. Really? Movie. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, which will be hard because how many years older is he now? Like it's, you know, t- to me, I'm not sure if that's believable. <laughs> He's 71. Right? Sadly. Yeah. So there you go. That's come on now. Like I loved him as Batman when, like, if you want to be Batman, man, you got to be an honor. You got to be able to play the role. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not expecting a 71 year old be crushing in the superhero world. So that's, uh, I don't, uh, I don't really love it. So. I'll give an honorable mention to uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man as well. He fit he fit the role there quite well. You know what? I've never seen Iron Man movie. No, no. It's worth your I, time. I, yeah, like as my son, like I have, I've saved it where it has all of the chronological order of the movies I should watch. As my son started to get into that, like I've, I've introduced him. We read a lot of the books and we watch some of the comics on like Spider Man and Electro and you know the different characters. He's you know he's watched a few of the Spider Mans. Him and I actually already have tickets to uh, Spider Man on Saturday. We're going mm-hmm. this Saturday. We got the tickets, so I'm excited about that. But. Um, I'm, he's now old enough that I can start getting him into a lot of the different ones. I'm looking forward to because there's many of them that I haven't seen, which is uh, great. Now, we got a lot of text flying in. It's at 10, 12, 60. Boys, Christopher Reeves is Superman from K-9. It's a fair choice. He, You know what? He had perfect hair, pretty chiseled. And, you know, it's really unfortunate, of course, the uh, the injury that made him a paraplegic that he un- under, uh, was unable to. Uh, to play the role anymore, but he was awesome as Superman. I've got a random question here for you, Gregor. You talk about getting your son into seeing some of these movies. Is there a movie that you cannot wait to show him, but like it's got to wait till he's 16, 17? Oh, there's quite a few, man. Like, uh, we already saw, we watched E.T., which was like the first movie I remember seeing in the theater. So I was pretty, and you know what? It held up really well. He quite liked it, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit emotional at times. So I remember watching it and being like, okay. And I obviously I hadn't watched it in many years, so there was parts that I didn't remember. But, yeah, I've got a few that, that I want him to see. Uh, you know, I watched Super Bad with him. I thought that was pretty funny. Right? And, like, there's certain movies, though, that I wonder, like, do you want to watch that with your dad? That's the other thing. So yeah, i got to be, uh, you know, like, eventually I'm going to watch Slapshot with him. I think that's just... Well, he's got to be a little bit older for sure. That's still many years away, but I'd like him to watch Slapshot. My my father introduced me to a lot of movies of his era. Some of them I liked, some of them, eh, but I liked watching it with him because he really got excited about it. And like I still like The Fly. Now he loved The Fly, and I was like, God, I didn't love it that much, but he was such a fan of it. I was like, All right, I'll watch it. So, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely quite a few of them that I think I uh, I look forward to watching with him, like Forrest Gump. For sure. Right? Shawshank Redemption. Man, there's a long list. Braveheart. Can go through a list of many of them that I'd want him to watch. I can't wait. Like that's yeah, that to me is one of the best parts of fatherhood is when you get to you know, he'll movies that he wants to watch, I'll go with him for him for sure. And then you get to watch uh something. It's no different than music. Now he's at the stage where I introduce him some of the music I like, similar to what my father introduced me to, and I still like I'm a huge fan of Motown because of my dad. And Elvis Presley and you know Buddy Holly and a lot of that stuff. So it'll be awesome. Hey boys, can't wait for Godfather Four to come out when he's sixteen. <laughs> it might by then. You never know. Darren, is this is Strutty texting the show right now? Oh man. A lot of people like uh, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. He, he was uh, he was pretty good at it. Yeah. 
But I'll be like I never watched any of the like I never sorry never read any of uh, Deadpool comics, so I didn't know anything about it. So I can't I can't really envision anyone else playing the role. Can you? No, no. I didn't I didn't read a whole lot of comic books growing up. Surprise, surprise. But uh he I thought he was great in it in Deadpool. Oh yeah, me too. So there's a third one coming out next year, I believe. Really? Yeah. Hmm, don't quote right. me on the I like I'm I don't want it to become like a Godfather four thing, but pretty sure there is a new one coming out. A new, yeah, okay, new Deadpool. No, yeah. Stratty thought Dead Godfather Four was already out. You're, you're not saying that. You haven't watched Deadpool Three. I'm not claiming to have seen it. No. Oh, okay, well, maybe we'll tell Struds you did. That'd be awesome. So, I love it. Uh, let's get to uh, the Con Man and a Sports Center update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota, where if you need a lawnmower, zero turn by the way, maybe you need a tractor at the farm, or a subcompact tractor at the acreage. They got them all. Versatility and power. And the great color orange. EdmontonKubota.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff. Shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods. All at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 